Welcome to the Your Health, Your Way podcast, the health podcast for renegades. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and the creator of the website, therenegadenp.com. I have over 10 years of clinical experience helping patients heal their bodies and feel their best. I'm here to share actionable information about integrative health, nutrition, and fitness that can get you started on your journey to optimal wellness. I'm also here to answer your questions and talk with health and wellness experts. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Our sleep-wake cycles are so important for our overall health, but what about when you work night shift or are on rotating shifts and can't necessarily sleep on a consistent schedule? In today's episode of the podcast, I'm covering how to navigate shift work in a healthy way. Keep listening for more. You can now support this podcast and the other work that I do through Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com slash therenegadenp. First, I want to be really clear that this changes nothing about this podcast, my newsletter, or my website. It was really driven from a desire to connect with people away from social media. Social media has become a place where algorithms perpetuate misinformation and hate, and I'm just tired of fighting against that. I want to create a community where we can learn, share, and have a more personal connection. When you subscribe to a Patreon account, any account, not just mine, you're supporting a creator you love and entering an algorithm-free and ad-free platform. You're shown the content and people that you signed up to see in real time, and yes, it is in chronological order too. If you choose to support me on Patreon, you'll have access to exclusive content that I will not be sharing anywhere else. There's even an Instagram stories type feature that I will be utilizing more than Instagram stories going forward. Your support there means that I will be able to continue to create content without ads. I'm not leaving social media entirely, but the way I show up and interact there will change. I'll be less accessible there in order to be more accessible to my Patreon patrons. And just a quick note that if you do decide to become a Patreon supporter, you will be charged when you sign up and again on the first of the next month. This is just how it is. I have no control over that. So I would suggest signing up in the next few days if you're listening to this in real time to make sure that you get the most out of this month. My goal is always to under-promise and over-deliver. So hopefully no matter when you sign up, you feel like you've gotten your dollar's worth. Welcome back to Your Health, Your Way. Since I talk about sleep a lot and I'm a nurse, a question that comes up so often is, what about shift work? People want to know how to optimize their sleep and their health while they're working night shift. There are some important things that I want to say up front so you know where I'm coming from on this. First, I understand the many reasons why people work shift work or night shift and why many people can't or don't want to change that. Second, I 100% understand the importance of balance and fairness in the workplace and in your life. Fairness being why some people are forced to rotate onto and off of night shift. But having a consistent schedule, whether that's all night shift or all day shift, is significantly better than going back and forth between the two. Again, I know some of you are yelling at me through your phone about why that's not possible, and I understand that. As with everything, there's the practical piece of it, so the thing that actually does work in real life, and then there's the ideal situation, which is the best case scenario that gets the best outcome. The best outcome for someone who works night shift is for them to always work night shift and try not to switch to a daytime schedule when they're off. There's more to it than just that, though, so let's get into that. It's harder to force your internal clock to consistently adapt than it is to keep a consistent schedule, whether that's working night shift or day shift. Again, I know that this isn't practical for everyone, but if you're looking to truly optimize your health and the way that you feel while working night shift, this is the thing to do. When you work a shift that's out of sync with your normal circadian rhythm, it requires you to overwhelm the signals that your body gets in order to regulate your internal clock. 
This is something called circadian rhythm entrenchment. And if you're working night shift, doubling down on these signals that tell your body when you should be asleep and when you should be awake is really important. These signals are called Zeitgebers, which means time giver in German, and they include light, temperature, exercise, eating and drinking patterns, atmospheric conditions, and social interactions. These are important if you work a day shift schedule too, because so much of what we do can mess with our circadian rhythm entrenchment, and a lot of times we don't even realize it. Things like being exposed to bright lights in the evenings, not spending time outside, eating at weird times, keeping your house too cold, those can all mess with your circadian rhythm entrenchment no matter what shift you work. So how can you overwhelm the signals that you are getting from the sun and flip-flop your circadian rhythms 12 hours to work a night shift? First, and probably most importantly, make sure that your sleep environment is very dark. Blackout curtains, aluminum foil on your windows, whatever you need to do to get your bedroom dark, do it. This is going to sound excessive, but it's probably worth your time. Use some black electrical tape or duct tape to cover up anything that has a light on it. You know those little green indicator lights that tell you something is charging or connected to power? Cover those up. It's less important if it's a red light because red light doesn't interfere with your circadian rhythm quite as much. I talked about this in another episode of the podcast. If you want to know more about how the different colors of light impact your circadian rhythm, I believe it's called a blue light, caffeine, and anxiety. Um, I, I will put a link to that in the show notes. Other things that you can do is make sure that your sleeping environment is cold. Light is the primary Zeitgeber and temperature shift comes a close second. Most people have their thermostat set to be a little bit warmer during the day and a little bit cooler at night. If you are working night shift, there are, and there are other people in your house, um, so you can't fully change the thermostat schedule, making sure that at least your bedroom is cooler while you're sleeping is good enough. Where things get a little trickier is when it comes to spending time outside. Typically, you want to make sure that you're getting some light from the sun into your eyeballs and onto your skin during the day. And that is light from the sun that is not through a window. So actually being outside. If you're sleeping all day and awake when it's dark, that is much, much harder to do. For most people, the optimal time to do this is in the morning. But if you're doing shift work, you'd want to try to do this in the evening and actually avoid spending time in the sunlight during the morning hours when you should be winding down to go to sleep. Avoiding bright indoor light in the morning hours when you're getting ready to go to sleep if you're working a night shift is also helpful because although they don't send as strong of a signal as the sun does, they can inhibit your melatonin production and interfere with your sleep. So in the two to three hours before you would go to bed, the easiest thing to do is wear amber-tinted blue-blocking glasses. Be careful that what you have does actually block the full spectrum of blue light and they aren't just computer lenses. If the lenses have a yellow or orange tint to them, they're probably the right ones, but if they look like regular glasses and you can't see any tint, they're probably computer glasses. If you want a real budget option, yellow safety glasses from the hardware store are what everyone wore before they started making more stylish options. So you can pick some of those up for a few bucks. The benefit to the nicer lenses is that they're easy to see out of and you can get them as a prescription lens if you need that. The goal is really to trick your body into thinking that it's evening at 7 or 8 in the morning. So make sure the lights are low, close the blinds, avoid screens, or if it's not possible to avoid screens, make sure you're wearing those amber tinted glasses. Melatonin is another tool that you can use. Research suggests that it's actually the most useful for things like jet lag and other circadian rhythm shifts. I've talked about this before too, but I want to remind you that a physiologic dose, which just means a dose that is similar to what your body makes on its own, is much lower than what you find uh, the dosage of the common dosages of melatonin tablets to be. The most commonly available dosages are 1, 3, and 5 milligrams, but the dose that is comparable to your physiologic dose is 
0.3 to 0.5 milligrams. So about a half of a one milligram tablet or less would be ideal for supporting your circadian rhythm. Managing stress is important too. You have a master clock in your body and then you have peripheral clocks. Every cell in your body is also keeping time based off of your master clock. So back before we all had cell phones and watches that automatically synced with Greenwich Mean Time, you would have occasionally have to adjust your watch as it would get a little bit ahead or a little bit behind. Probably the best example of this currently is your car clock. I know my car clock always gets a few minutes ahead and every few months I have to adjust it back a couple of minutes. So your cells are like your watch or your car clock and they adjust their time based off of what the master clock does. This happens through two hormones, melatonin and cortisol. Melatonin peaks a little bit before bed and cortisol peaks in the morning. But the added complication of cortisol is that it is also one of our main stress hormones. So managing your stress so that your cortisol isn't high when your melatonin is supposed to be high is really important for maintaining your circadian rhythm or for flip-flopping it. I do want to note that I think cortisol gets too much credit for being the problem in a lot of cases. There's a lot of research that shows that lowering high cortisol doesn't have the direct impact on the way we feel as a lot of practitioners would lead you to believe that it does. I've been guilty of this too. I'll link to the article that I wrote about how adrenal fatigue, and I'm putting that in quotes, you can't see me, um, is mislabeled and misleading because that's where I talk about the lack of correlation between cortisol and everything that a lot of practitioners seem to correlate it with. Anyway, stress management is very helpful for circadian rhythm entrenchment and for shifting that circadian rhythm when you need to. Also, making sure that you're not vitamin D deficient is important for several reasons. If you're working night shift, the amount of time you spend outside during daylight hours is probably decreased. So the amount of vitamin D that you're making is also decreased. And vitamin D is very important for health in general. You can listen to the last episode of the podcast to learn more about why that's important. But also, one of the many things that vitamin D does is regulate biorhythms, and vitamin D deficiency has been linked to sleep disorders. There's not a lot of data on how vitamin D deficiency impacts jet lag, and the working night shift or switching shifts is, um, in the research, essentially the same thing as having jet lag. But there are some, there is some research that suggests that the more vitamin D deficient you are, the harder it is for you to get over jet lag. Okay, so we've covered why it's ideal to keep your body on whatever schedule correlates to the shift that you work. So if that's night shift, keep yourself on that schedule as much as possible. But I know that's not always possible. You'd probably like to see your family and friends every once in a while. How do you grocery shop? What happens if you need to go to the bank? How do you function in a world that operates during the daytime when you're mostly operating during the night? This is a good chance to get creative. Go grocery shopping as soon as the store opens or right before it closes. Meet your friends for breakfast or dinner. So your breakfast, their dinner, or their breakfast, your dinner. Going to the gym right when it opens or right before it closes, and so on. Also, if it's too hard to keep a night shift schedule all of the time, you could partially shift your schedule on your days off. So that would look something like shifting two to three hours instead of the full 12 hours. So you'd have more time during the daytime, but without as much stress on your body. It's more like flying across the country instead of flying halfway around the world. I realize that not everyone has the choice not to do shift work or not to work night shift, but I do think it's important to understand some of the health risks associated with it as well. I don't tell you these things to scare you, but I share them because I want you to be aware of them so you can look out for warning signs and be more diligent about your health in general if you're someone who works night shift regularly. People who do shift work or even people who travel frequently and have jet lag often are at a higher risk for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, and autoimmune disease. Doing shift work 
puts you at a higher risk for insomnia. I think anyone who has worked night shift probably has this problem or has had this problem. Most often, this is periodic or transient insomnia, and it happens when you're adjusting to a change in your sleep schedule, which if you're flip-flopping your schedule multiple times per week can be a lot. It can also cause poor quality sleep, and good quality sleep and getting enough sleep are really important for insulin signaling, metabolism, and immune function, which I think shows pretty clearly how some of these increased health risks come about with shift work. Also, when we talk about risk or that a certain group of people is at a higher risk for something, remember that that doesn't mean that everyone who does something is at higher risk. It means that some people have an average or below average risk, and some people have a higher risk. So working night shift doesn't mean that you're going to have these negative outcomes, but it means night shift workers as a whole have these negative health outcomes more often. Shift workers are also more prone to accidents and impairment in judgment due to lack of sleep or sleep disruption. While drunk driving and driving while drowsy are not at all the same thing, they do bear some very, very close similarities. Being awake for 18 hours is the approximate equivalent of having a blood alcohol level of 0.05%. Being awake for 20 hours is the approximate equivalent of having a blood alcohol level of 0.08%, which is the legal limit in most states. Being awake for 18 hours seems like it would be easy to avoid, but my personal experience is that it's not that hard to do. It was rare that I was able to sleep for more than five or six hours during the day when I was working night shift. I typically went to bed around 8 a.m., woke up around noon, often because of noise in the neighborhood, someone knocking on the door, and... Fortunately, was able to go back to sleep for a few more hours, but most days I was awake for good by 2 or 3 p.m. and then awake until 8 o'clock the next morning. When I worked night shift, I lived just over a mile from the hospital where I worked. It took me less than 10 minutes to drive to and from work. There were mornings when I would get off work, leave the hospital, get in my car, drive home, and as I was pulling into my driveway, I realized that I had no recollection of my drive home. I have a very distinct memory one time of seeing a large dog-like animal running into the woods a few blocks from the hospital. I'm pretty sure it was weekend morning and there was no traffic. I think that it was a wolf. It was definitely not a dog. It could have been a coyote, but it looked different. But I actually can't tell you if this is something that I really saw. I'm fairly certain that it was, or if it's something that I thought that I saw because I was so tired. It kind of resembles, the memory kind of resembles a dream, so it's very hard for me to tell you if it was real or if I made it up. I'm also missing a lot of memories from the two years of my life when I worked nights. My significant other will also say to me, don't you remember when? And then recount a story to me of which I have zero recollection, like none. It's like somebody is telling me a story about someone else, and these stories always end in, oh, that must have been while you were working night shift. So those are just some personal examples. For me, everybody is a little bit different, but you can see how night shift can have a really negative impact on your cognitive function and your brain. Let's talk a little bit about handling rotating shift work because that's also something that's pretty common. People work day shift for a certain number of shifts, have a few days off, and then rotate onto night shift for a few shifts. It looks different depending on where you work and is more common in some industries than others. Handling a shift in work schedule can be handled much like you would deal with jet lag. A lot of the research in this area, as I mentioned, actually looks at jet lag as the model instead of shift work, but it is understood within the literature that those are essentially the same things. The challenge that shift work and jet lag present to your body are the same. But if you are traveling somewhere, one of the easiest things you could do to adjust your internal master clock is go outside, when it's light outside, to tell your body that it's time to be awake. If you're getting on a plane, research suggests that as soon as you get on the plane, setting yourself to the time zone at your destination will help you better adjust. So if you get on the plane and it's night at your destination, try to go to sleep. If it's daytime at your destination, try to stay awake. How does this apply to shift work? 
As soon as you get off your night shift block, try to shift immediately into your day shift schedule. Rather than trying to shift your schedule a little bit each day, try to just do it all at once. One of the things that can happen is a lot of fatigue and trouble sleeping, especially if you're going better, going to bed earlier than you normally would. I'm going to cover the topic of naps and how to handle those a little bit later. But this is where a higher dose of melatonin could really be helpful, like one milligram instead of 0.5 milligrams. But even up to five milligrams has been shown to be helpful for a few nights while you're shifting your schedule. You definitely want to start with your lower physiologic dose first and play around with it. For some people, the lower dose will be fine. Um, And for others, really saturating your system with that melatonin to suppress your cortisol can work much better. Some people have a a negative reaction or the opposite reaction to a high dose of melatonin. So they feel more awake or they sleep for a little bit and then feel more awake afterwards, which is why it's important to just not jump right into the higher dose. Stress management is almost more important in this situation than it would be if you were just staying on night shift because you need that cortisol pattern release um, and peak to change as well. Although it's not a substitute for all the other stress management activities, consider adding some extra vitamin C and magnesium to your day to help support your healthy stress response. Stress can increase magnesium loss, which which can cause a deficiency. Most people are already not doing great on their magnesium intake, so this makes doing shift work and flip-flopping your schedules can really just make that worse. And then in turn, magnesium deficiency can enhance your body's susceptibility to, to stress, which can also result in a magnesium deficiency. Vitamin C is an important antioxidant and works with cortisol and other chemicals in your body to maintain immune function and other important processes during times of stress. Some other things that you can do, we already talked about the importance of light in general for circadian rhythm entrenchment, but when you have to shift back and forth between day and night shift hours, having a light box that you use during your morning can be really helpful. I would suggest using it no matter what shift you're working, but always when you get up and need for it to be morning for you. So maybe when you're eating breakfast. You want to make sure that you get one that's at least 10,000 lux and bright white light. Think about the things that as you go through your day help to entrench your circadian rhythm and try to make as many of those things become a routine for you. So dark sleeping environment, you're going to close all those blackout curtains whether you're working night shift or day shift. You can put on your amber glasses a couple hours before bedtime, whether that's in the morning or in the evening. The other piece of that is that bright light exposure, which is so much harder to do when you're working out of sync with natural daylight, but that's why having a light box can be really, really helpful. If you are just trying to keep your circadian rhythm entrenched, like during the winter time when there's less outdoor light, as little as 20 minutes of time in front of the light box would be helpful. But if you're constantly trying to shift your circadian rhythm, up to an hour would be better. You want to make sure that you're using it in the first half of your day, whatever that is at any given time, and then use it consistently. So if you use it at breakfast, always use it at breakfast, whether you're on day shift or night shift. Another interesting thing is what the research says on exercise. Exercise can help your circadian rhythm shift. It can help improve sleep. And the problem is that there's absolutely no consensus on when the best time of day to exercise is. But it does suggest that it doesn't really matter when you exercise as long as you're exercising at a predictable time. So if you always work out before you go to work, then always work out before you go to work or in your morning, no matter whether that's day or night. Or if you always exercise after work, keep doing that. Essentially, think about when you're doing those things in relation to your work schedule, no matter what your work schedule is. So when you flip your work schedule from days to nights or nights to days, All of those things also get flipped by 12 hours or whatever your work schedule shift is. You always want to be doing your morning things before you go to work, whether that's day or night. And you always want to be doing your evening things 
before you, when you come home, before you go to bed, whether that is day or night. Meal timing is also a zeitgeber, so keeping your meal schedule consistent is important, especially when you're trying to shift your schedule. You might not feel like eating breakfast on days that you're really tired, but try and eat something to keep that signal consistent. The relative size and makeup of your meal also matters. So if you always eat a similar size breakfast with a specific with specific foods, try to keep that signal consistent as well. Making sure to respect your fasting window, which is typically while you would be sleeping, is also important. As someone who worked night shift, I know that it's hard to do this. I usually woke up after a few hours of sleep ready for lunch like around noon when normal people would be eating lunch, but I wasn't really doing all of these other things as well, so because I didn't know about them at the time. So I wasn't very good at keeping my circadian rhythm happy. Another interesting aspect of this is to look at where nutrition and circadian rhythm shifts can meet. We've already touched on most of these, but let's talk about them a little bit more in depth. So vitamin D is important for circadian rhythms, and it's best to take that in the morning or within the first half of your day. If you think about how people make vitamin D from the sun, then it makes sense that your body would expect that during the day. The other two nutrients that I mentioned to support a healthy stress response were vitamin C and magnesium. Those are also better taken during the first half of the day. There's also some research around oxidants and jet lag, and thus also applicable to shift work, that suggests that oxidants are increased when you are jet lagged. So increasing your intake of antioxidants can be helpful. Remember that vitamin C is an antioxidant, um, but astaxanthin was one of the antioxidants that was studied. It's a carotenoid found in some seafood, most commonly salmon and shrimp, which is what gives them their pink color. You can get it in supplemental form, but you can get more than the recommended dosage in one serving of wild-caught salmon. So eating seafood frequently can be helpful as well. The other antioxidant that has been shown helpful for jet lag is vitamin E. You can get plenty of vitamin E from avocados, nuts, seeds, olives, and olive oil. One really fascinating study looked at how the liver peripheral clock, remember that we talked about peripheral clocks earlier, they uh, adjust their time to your master clock. So this study looked at how well the liver peripheral clock in rodents was able to adjust uh, in response to different macronutrient ratios in diet. The way they did the study is a little bit extreme. They looked at things like 100% glucose and 100% sucrose and 100% casein, which is protein, and 100% soybean oil, which is mostly fat. And then they looked at various blends of those. They compared that against fasting because overnight fasting is so important in resetting your clock when it comes to jet lag. And they found that every one of the extremes caused the liver clock not to adjust and that the best situation was a diet that had balanced macronutrients. They were also able to show that having some glucose was really important for circadian rhythm shift, although they weren't able to explain the mechanism in the study. This does mean that if you're flip-flopping your schedule, a low-carb diet is probably not a good idea. One sort of random side note that I want to point out here is based on the research about jet lag and how respecting your overnight fasting window, so not eating during the time frame when you are sleeping, can generally help in resetting your internal clock. If you are somebody that fasts during the day and feels tired a lot, it could be because your body thinks that you should be asleep. I've added this fact to my ever-growing list of reasons why I don't encourage intermittent fasting or fasting during the day um, for most people. Okay, before I wrap this up, I want to talk a little bit about symptom management because while all of these things that we've talked about so far are great and they're going to help you switch between day shift and night shift more easily, you're still going to be tired. Hopefully a lot of the stuff that we've covered today will minimize that, but anytime you switch schedules, 
you're just going to have a few days where you feel really tired and it's hard to be awake. I think it goes without saying that caffeine will be your friend. Do your best to only consume caffeine during your morning and try not to overdo it. And if you're habituated to caffeine, meaning that you drink it frequently, the next time you have some time off or you're working a less stressful schedule, it might be worth it to take a little bit of a break from caffeine to try to reset your tolerance. So the next time you drink it, it actually feels like it's doing something. You also wanna be really careful about consuming caffeine too late in the day because that can start to impact your sleep. And the few days that you have while you're trying to switch your schedule, you wanna make sure that you're doing everything you can to sleep well. Remember that supporting your sleep is the best thing that you can do for yourself. If you find yourself in any of these situations with shift work, you always want to be orienting your sleep schedule to your destination, not where you're coming from. So if you just worked a night shift and you need to switch to days, you'll want to immediately start sleeping during actual nighttime rather than trying to sleep during the day. You're going to be tired though because you're going to have to stay up for a whole day before you can go to sleep at night. And I personally require a lot of sleep and was very, very bad at doing this. Um, But there are a lot of studies showing that power naps can be really helpful while you're trying to reorient your sleep. So these naps are 10 to 30 minutes long. And the theory behind this is that you're never actually going to go into deep sleep, which is where you would get yourself into trouble with getting to sleep during during your actual sleeping time at night. What you're aiming for is a minimum of three minutes in stage two sleep. When you fall asleep, you're in stage one sleep for around eight or to 10 minutes, um, sometimes up to 15 minutes before you go into stage two. And then you're in stage two for up to 20 minutes. So that's where that 10 to 30 minute range comes from and is usually enough for most people to get at least three minutes in stage two sleep without going all the way into deep sleep. If you feel groggy when you wake up, you likely stayed asleep for too long and were in deep sleep. But if you feel pretty alert, that means that you are probably only in stage two. The biggest benefit to these power naps is that they don't take away from your nighttime sleep, but they do help you to be more alert and can improve some of the cognitive function you lose when you are awake for a long period. You can take multiple power naps in a day and they should not impact your nighttime sleep. So this can be really helpful for that first day when you have to transition from one schedule to another. Remember that meal timing is a Zeitgeber too, so try to avoid snacking your way through your transition day to stay awake. We've all done that. Uh, I've certainly done that and sometimes still do it. Stick to your regular meal times and frequencies as much as possible. Also, try to get a little bit of movement in on that first transition day. I would stay away from anything higher intensity or longer in duration. You probably won't feel like doing that anyway. Um, But stay away from that in order to minimize the stress impact on your body because you're already going to be tired and it will be really easy to hurt yourself and cause unnecessary stress on your body for when you're exercising longer or harder. All right, that's all I've got for you on night shift. I'll be sure to put any links to other posts or podcast episodes I referenced into the show notes so you can check those out if you want. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter and getting access to exclusive content, there is also a link for that in the show notes, or you can go to patreon.com slash therenegadenp. Have a great week, and I will see you next time.